we talk about the most important Texas Bowl in history. Well, anyway, for Ole Miss it is. And so we're going to talk about UCF tonight. Stick around. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome to the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Willis. Thank you very much for tuning in today. I do want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing you are ordering from the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com and use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to get an extra 30% off your order. That is pretty cool. Also, thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. So do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications, and participate in the conversation down below by commenting and upvoting the video itself. We'd appreciate it very much. Anyway, this is going to be the most important Texas Bowl in Ole Miss history. Seriously, it just is. Now, that doesn't mean much to anybody, but my point is this is a super important bowl game. This is the most important bowl game I can remember in a while, probably dating back to the 2015 Sugar Bowl. And the reason is the way the season ended. And all of the stuff that went into that. And I'm not here to relitigate all of that stuff. I'm here to try and figure out how we're going to get out of it. That's the point. And it starts with the PR wins that have happened all through the month of December. And it will continue or it will slow down a little bit depending on the result of the Texas Bowl. Now, Texas Tech's a good team. They, they just are. They finished their season really well. Um, as my earlier preview, whenever the bowl was announced, the pronunciation of the Texas Tech quarterback's name is Tyler Shuck, and he went to Oregon and not Purdue. And I had 17 comments in my comment section about that. I got him confused with David Blau, the guy who went to um, Purdue. So Tyler Shuck, Oregon, David Blau, Purdue. And that, that's the one thing to keep in mind. Now, Shuck, at the end of the year, turned out to be a decent quarterback. They got decent wins against Kansas, Oklahoma, and I think Iowa State, maybe. And you can see them coming on. And when you look at their body of work this season, if a team played sloppy, they lost the game. If a team played well and they were a good team, they were better, then um, they beat Texas Tech. So... It will be imperative for an Ole Miss to come out with their A game and play really smooth. Do not let it operationally get sloppy. Because if that happens, Texas Tech has a chance to get in the game. Now, I think Ole Miss has better talent than Texas Tech going into this game. Period. Texas Tech has some things that can help them out, and they were a good team. But I think Ole Miss is a little bit advanced. Now, there are certain things that Ole Miss probably needs to work on while they're practicing and getting ready for this bowl game, and that would be um, their passing game. And specifically passing over the middle, using the tight end, using the slot receiver, pieces like that will be big moving forward for Ole Miss. Because I've told you guys several times, the way I look at a bowl game is the first game of the next season, not the last game of this season. 
unless you're in the playoff, the bowl game is essentially a second spring and a second spring game. So there's certain things that you need to work on. And the pass game, I think, needs to evolve. Now, I expect Ole Miss to be a complete running team, and they're not going to back off that because they have a running back that is going to go into this Texas Bowl with a chance to break the SEC freshman record from Herschel Walker. And anybody that can do that, that is worth celebrating. It doesn't matter that bowl game statistics or whatever didn't happen back in 1980. 1980. Just having those names mentioned together are pretty big. I mean, Quinshawn Judkins has a chance to go over 1,500 yards. Zach Evans has a chance to go over 1,000 yards. We haven't heard whether or not he's going to sit out, whether he's coming back, whether he's going pro, any of that stuff. We haven't heard about any of that. And at this point, we are about a little over about two weeks until kickoff. So we'll see exactly how that goes. This, this is big for that running game as well. Glissies Bentley, big. Jackson Dart, big. Even somebody like Malik Heath and Jonathan Mingo that is trying to expand their draft draft prospects, this game is big. Defensively, this game is big. Now, if you look at Texas Tech's offense, they have over 3,000 yards passing, and they have two running backs over 600 yards. So that tells me they are probably a 55% passing yards to 45% running yards. Um, I haven't seen their play counts. When we get closer, we're going to dive into exactly keys and all of the game week stuff that we do about opponents. But Texas Tech is a good team. Joey McGuire is a high school legend in the state of Texas, and they have put together a team that is fairly fundamentally sound. Like I said, if you're sloppy against them, you lose the game. Ask Texas. Texas has better players than Texas Tech has. They lost the game. Why? Because they got sloppy. Oklahoma got sloppy. Because technically they should be better prospects because they always recruit four and five stars every year. So we'll see exactly what happens. Now, Texas Tech probably should be playing in the Cheez-Its Bowl against Florida State instead of Oklahoma. That's a brand situation, and I am with my Texas Tech brothers about that. They deserve that game. Um, instead of playing a team that they've played more times since 1998 than Ole Miss has played Tennessee. Ole Miss has played Texas Tech more times in the past 24 years than they have played Tennessee. Absolutely ridiculous. Now, in the second segment come up, we're going to talk a little bit about the US, UCF game tonight, and we are going to look at um, high school recruiting with John Garcia in the third segment. We're also going to release that a little bit later on in the day if you want to stand alone on that. The way it works is basically the average view time is right in the middle, so we release the third segment so it gets seen because those same people that are watching the first 15 minutes are going to be the same people that see that for the first time. That, that That's why we do that. Um, and it's not like double jeopardy for everybody that watches the show. It's for people that haven't laid eyes on it because we, we do our interviews and all that in the third segment for a reason. But this is the most important bowl game I can remember for Ole Miss football, probably since the Sugar Bowl, um, maybe since 1998. That game against Texas Tech, that, that was meaningful. I was in the stadium in Shreveport that night, um, but that game was meaningful because of everything that's happened, and now we've come, honestly, 
full circle. So we'll see exactly how that plays out. So I do want to let you know about Omaha Steaks and what they bring to the table. Back in my earlier days, back in the Stone Age, we used to have contests at Dell to decide who gets Omaha Steaks gift cards or things like that. And those turned out to be the most cutthroat thing I can remember. And honestly, that became almost a holiday memory. Looking back at what's going on is how cutthroat it got because anybody is going to do whatever the contest required to the umpteenth degree because they wanted that gift card because it was so great. So this is insane, actually. Omaha Steaks has cut prices 50% site-wide to make you make you the gift-giving hero you've always wanted to be. The holidays are here. Achieve greatness when you give the gift of perfectly aged, tender Omaha Steaks. And whenever we did that at Dell and got those, I was, yeah, that, that's the way to go there. Anyway, Omaha Steaks have put together a delicious selection of gift packages to make your shopping for the ones you love nice and easy. Go to omahasteaks.com and take advantage of the 50% off site-wide, plus use, use code LOCKEDON at checkout to get an additional $40 off your orders. It, yesterday it was $30, bucks, so an additional $40 off your order. They have everything you need to give the gift that is simply perfect. Send an assortment of mouth-watering favorites like the delicious Butcher's Cut Filet Mignon, air-chilled boneless chicken, ultra-juicy burgers, and even easy-to-prepare comfort meals. Don't wait. Order today and beat the shopping rush. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout. It's a gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today knowing you're ordering from the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com. Take advantage of 50% off site-wide, plus use the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to get an extra 40% off, or $40 off your order. Minimum orders may be required there. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. It's Locked On Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. All right, tonight, Kermit Davis and his boys take on the UCF Knights. Um, you know, fun fact, I had a cousin that went to UCF and his nickname for it was you can't finish. Um, so I, every time I see UCF, I, I chuckle a little bit because of that joke. It's one of my favorite old school jokes, but UCF, um, has done some pretty good things. They were in a tournament in the Bahamas. They have wins, um, over okay teams. They won the Bahamas tournament. They lost to Miami as one of their two losses, who's ranked right now. I think they're 24th in the country or something like that. And a couple others. So when you look at their schedule, you're not overly impressed. Um, But they look like a team that honestly does not shoot twos very well. They shoot threes better than Ole Miss. So Ole Miss is going to have to have their three-point defense. And they play defense pretty hard. So – that, that is the takeaway in this game. This is a game that Ole Miss could absolutely lose, but this is a game that probably Ole Miss should win. 
and we'll see exactly what happens. Will we get the be- another better version of Deshaun Ruffin? Will Matt Morrell really turn out and do some damage um, for the basketball team? Will be the will this be the game that Amari Abram steps up with Ruffin coming back and figure out figures out exactly where he fits? T.J. Caldwell will he continue his outside shooting to the point where he's a weapon that could be counted on as the Tennessee game gets closer two weeks from now? There's a lot of questions that this game will begin to answer, and like I said, this is a game that Ole Miss should probably win. Ole Miss should come out and play defense really well. This should be a Miles Burns special game where you put him on UCF's best player and you just kind of turn it loose. It should be really interesting moving forward. Um, I'm looking looking forward. I think his name is Tyler Hendrickson. He leads the team in scoring and rebounds, which tells me they it's a big man. Um, and Ole Miss will need to clamp down on him. So it feels like you get the ball into him, he either scores himself or he kicks it out for a three-point shot. That That's the way it looks at the moment. It We'll see exactly what UCF can do. They play in the pavilion tonight. Um, and we'll see exactly if Ole Miss can build off of their huge win over Valparaiso this past weekend. Now, like I said, everybody was kind of poo-pooing this team after the Memphis game. And now Memphis handles the Auburn Tigers. Auburn's good at basketball. And I think that has led to a little bit of a reframing of this basketball team and what they can be. Because everybody kind of put down what Memphis could be. That's the reason everybody looked at that game in such a negative way is everybody was being negative on Memphis. And listen, in sports, people are going to be negative because if you're negative long enough, eventually you're going to be right. So if you hire, hire a coach by the time in three, four years, there's a chance you might be right. And then you can say, I told you so. And that, and that is what college fandom has really become. So when it comes to Ole Miss basketball, and we all know the challenges that Ole Miss basketball has, even though the arena is really nice, to get up on the footing that they need to be at, there's kind of steps that need to happen. And they need to grow that brand over and over again. But it's hard to grow that brand because so many people have their takes where two or three years ago they decided that Kermit Davis needed to be fired and they're going to defend that take until the death. They're going to keep that going. If Kermit Davis is here 10 more years, that take will stay. That take will remain. I mean, it's just the way that fandom operates in 2022. So... My advice to everybody that wants to watch a fun basketball team, because this is a fun basketball team, an honest-to-goodness fun basketball team. Miles Burns, like I said, he's my favorite player since Jason Smith. And then you have players like Matt Morrell, who's a great shooter. Deshaun Ruff, an unbelievable penetrator. Between those two, you almost have Steph Moody because they do real similar same things. And then you have young guys like Amari Abram. You've got... Um, TJ Caldwell. And then you got the big guys like um, McKinnon and Robert Allen and some names are um, mistaken and kind of jumbled in my head at the moment. But the big the big game, big men are turning up as well. Even Malik Ewan is making plays. He made some plays against Valpo. Some nice experience that's going to help him with confidence. So we'll see exactly how this team builds because this team has two weeks to build 
for Tennessee because that is what's important, building for Tennessee. Because those four games, Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi State, and Auburn, they're going to be very, very difficult. You have to be ready to go. Normally, these games start in mid-January, in early January. Now, it's going to get kicked off at the end of December. These games are important for this team, and it's, it's opportunities more than risk because of games like this. It doesn't matter. Ole Miss could lose all four of these games, and they're not going to affect them to get into the NCAA tournament other than a game being in the L column. So, these are opportunities. If Ole Miss can win one or two of these games, it completely changes the calculus moving towards March. This team is fun. I think everybody should give them a chance. I've enjoyed watching them. That Valpo game was great. Miles Burns, like I said, will be a fan favorite if you will allow him to be. And some of the people haven't started tuning in because they don't tune in until January, until SEC play starts. So they'll be a little bit surprised about what they see. They have a chance to be a pretty decent team. But the important thing for this basketball team, no write-off, is making shots. They need to make baskets because their defense and everything else is going to get better whenever they make shots. They don't make shots and have to play in an open court. It can get a little bit scattered. So we'll see exactly how that goes. They have to make shots, though. Anyway, today's show is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season to basketball and World Cup, We've got it all at betonline.net. If you can see below, Ole Miss is currently a three-point favorite over the Texas Tech Red Raiders. The over-under is set up at 69.5 points. The game is December 28th at 8 o'clock Central Time on ESPN. It's the Texas Bowl. That line and all lines on this side are brought to you by betonline.net. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. It's BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. So do us a favor, sign up for the YouTube channel, subscribe, um, hit the bell for notifications, and participate in the conversation by commenting down below or upvoting the video itself. This week, we're back with John Garcia. We are one week away from early signing day. This year has kind of flown by, John. Yeah, there's no kind of about it, Stephen. This is... (laughs) Absolutely been a blur. I feel like we were talking about position battles in fall camp just the other day, and now the portal's open, the playoff is set, and signing day and Christmas are here before we know. I mean, just unbelievable, but it'll be fun. There's no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, this past week, the Mississippi-Alabama game um, happened down in Mobile, and honestly, we'll just start off with Suntareen Perkins. This kid is everywhere, and he might be the best prospect to come out of Mississippi since Marcus Dupree, in my opinion. Wow, yeah. I mean, look, lofty to even mention or hint at something like that, but Hmm. Santorin deserves to be in that mix. When you think of the best for Mississippi, yeah, I think Dupree is where that conversation begins. And and in my brain more recently, I I think of – you know, Jeffrey Simmons, you know, I think of Tony Connor, I think of some of these other great players, Raekwon Davis, even that have come from the state and, and have really shined to Kobe Dean. Hello, probably the first one I should have mentioned. And yeah, Suntarine deserves to be there. I think we knew athletically he could potentially be in that mix a year ago, two years ago. 
but what he's done on the field this year. And I think we get too cute in the evaluation game where we talk about everything off the field and combines and track times and all that stuff. But how about when they actually get on the field? Is there a better football player in America today than Sunterine Perkins? I'm not sure. State title game was a clinic, 300 yards rushing, four touchdowns, the game ceiling, diving interception, a bunch of tackles. And then he was even better somehow against better competition at the Alabama-Mississippi game. I think individually he was the best player on the field. And you talk to people about both the state of Mississippi and certainly Alabama, a lot of people feel like these are the best classes these states have put together just from from a high school geography standpoint. And that was the best player on the field in that game. He could have been the best running back, best defensive end, best linebacker, best tight end. Wherever he lined up, he was going to be the best player. So I think Perkins deserves his flowers in any way, shape, or form. And now all of a sudden you really have to look at Wherever he ended up, which is going to be Ole Miss after that push from Alabama, he was going to make that day one impact. I think what you saw Harold Perkins do at LSU, that's a a lofty comparison to make, but I think we could start to expect similar from Perkins year one, day one at Ole Miss. He's that good, uh, and he should move up every ranking there is, including our own. I mean, We've got him like top 50 overall, way too low. He'll be top 25 at worst when all is said and done uh, in the SI 99, he's an absolute freak who can do anything instinctually and athletically. But I think what makes him more impressive on top of that, Steven is physically he's there too, six, three, 225, 230 pounds, ready to go from day one, from a physical standpoint, even in the big, bad SEC West. You know, um, the question that everybody's going to have after the last two appearances from Suntory Perkins is, what kind of a chance does he have to actually get that fifth star? Because I don't know if you could find 30 players in college foot or in high school football that's better than him. I, I 100% agree. Like I said, he will be top mm-hmm. 25 at worst for us when we update our rankings after signing day. And I don't see how anybody who had eyeballs or not even eyeballs on him, just a computer where you could watch some of what he's done. I don't know how you can minimize that athletic profile and production. Um, The best linebackers play running back. The best defensive playmakers do everything, and he does everything. He could rush the passer once every five plays and have a huge pass-rushing impact, like we talk about with Micah Parsons in the NFL. He could also drop back and cover and have safety-type accolades. There's just not a lot of high school players who can do that and, again, be physically ready to do that in the SEC as early as as next fall. It it just – it's a glowing eval for Perkins. He should have a – there's not five players who have a higher floor than Perkins, and there probably aren't 10 to 15 that have a higher ceiling on top of that. When you're in both conversations, you become you know in that special category, and he should be there when we talk about the end of this class uh, nationally, not just regionally or locally. Yeah, um, way back in my rivals days, back in the um, Stone Age, and I would go out and have to video – um, some prospect and everything. And, and some people would do all kinds of research, but I would like to go in and I wouldn't want to have his number. I wouldn't want to see anything. I wanted to see if I could look on the field and tell exactly who he was without anybody telling me anything. And I mean, that that is kind of my baseline for looking at a player. But the point of that is you could play that game in the Mississippi-Alabama game with Sunterine Perkins. And with competition like that and he would stand out the way that Suntarine does at Raleigh you know it's 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 right. weird 
that's that's a great way to put it. I mean, I think I think that's the best linebacker performance I've seen in that game since Reuben Foster, which I think on the first on the opening kickoff of that Alabama Mississippi game, he just went down and destroyed. I forgot who the running back was. I think he ended up at Mississippi State. I mean, just destroyed him on the kickoff. And then every play, you're like, okay, where's Reuben Foster? Perkins did that just with consistency um, in practices, in the game itself. I mean, just hard to do. And again, people in Alabama will tell you this is the best class coming out of the state of Alabama in particular, and in particular in the trenches. So for him to have that kind of impact against those SEC-bound players tells me all I need to know about his ability to impact any roster day one. Yeah, and Perkins did a wonderful job on the outside, but on the inside, Jamarius um, Brown from Moss Point, we hadn't seen much about him because – Right. His high school film, it's like he might be blocking a punt or lining up at linebacker in. You actually got to see him at three technique, and the guy did some work in the middle. Yeah, I think Perkins has a lot of classic traits where you're just like plug and play, inside backer, let him go. Brown's got the modern traits, right? 6'3", 255 or so, and he's got this inside-out game that's hard to deal with, right? He's too quick and fast for these interior, bigger blockers. And then he goes outside, and he's he's still physically able to dominate at the point of attack against the longer, leaner offensive tackle types. And we got to see that all week uh, down in Mobile and, and the game itself. Uh, it, he flashed again uh, at that same inside-out type of role. So I think he's kind of this underrated, modern, inside-out pass rusher that every program needs. And Ole Miss is, is no different in that regard. I think Brown has also elevated his own stock over time um, to the point where now it looks even better with him signing with, with Ole Miss. I know LSU just offered. A lot of other schools have made some phone calls into Moss Point to see what, what the status of Brown looks like, but he's been as about as solid as, as it comes to the Rebels, which is a big deal because this class, particularly on defense, has to hit for Lane Kiffin and company. Yeah, and if you go over to the other side of the ball, the other player down in Mobile that's noteworthy was Aiden Williams. And he really had one catch, but there was tremendous body control. All the things that makes him stand out as the heir apparent to that number one jersey um, that has been going around Ole Miss for 10 years or so. You, You saw that on that one play. The pass game may have not have done that well because of how dominant the defensive lines were, but you could see those that flash from Aiden Williams. 100%. And and he's the opposite of Brown in terms of we've always talked about him as the guy. And he lived up to it at every chance, whether it's Friday nights, all-star settings, camp settings. One-on-one, he's very hard to deal with. He's big and physical enough to overpower a smaller defensive back. But he's also just so darn talented when the ball's in the air that even the bigger, more physical, modern corners can't deal with him one-on-one. Back shoulder balls, 50-50 balls. You like your chances with Williams, but he also has this blow the top off the defense type of explosiveness that really makes him, like you said, kind of that classic wide receiver one. He's been tabbed as that for two or three years, and he's continued to live up to it. That's almost a harder thing to do than make people who were maybe asleep on you wake up late in the process. It's harder to maintain that high lofty praise that you garnered earlier than maybe you expected. And as a sophomore, we were talking about Aiden Williams. This is the guy in Mississippi on the offensive side of the ball. And to still sort of have that post 
two and a half, three years later is really impressive to not only his floor, but kind of his game, his maintenance, how much better he's gotten at those great traits over the last few years. So, yeah, another one that you really have a hard time seeing sitting once he gets to, to his next step. All right, so let's go off the Mississippi-Alabama game and get just an update if you have it um, real quick. Anything new on Caden Lee? Well, it looks like George is going to make a play here late in the game. That's the school that a lot of folks were curious about, where they truly all in on Caden Lee because there was more buzz for Ole Miss. There was more buzz for Oklahoma, South Carolina, even UCF, I thought, was pushing harder than Georgia at a different point for Caden Lee. But Georgia's hit on some receivers, missed on some others to where they're now making a late play for Lee. And they could end up being the primary competition for Ole Miss when all is said and done. But from a fit perspective, from a longevity perspective, Ole Miss has done a really good job in this recruitment. And I I do still look at the Rebels as the team to beat there. But there's some more interest coming from the SEC East, from Georgia. And and South Carolina is still in the mix there as well. So that one will be a, a very big one to track to see if Ole Miss can pair Aiden Williams with more pass catching talent. All right. What about Kedrick Riscano? What are you hearing there? couple schools have gotten involved late for him as well since that that Michigan State decommitment finally went down. Ole Miss was already there. Oklahoma State was already there. Now we're hearing more overtures from Texas A&M and some other schools looking for some running back help late in the game. So I don't know if he's got a visit set this coming weekend, but I'd be curious to see if he tries to make one more trip. Again, Ole Miss has, is kind of like Caden Lee's recruitment. Ole Miss has done everything in its power to lead this race. And I do think there's still confidence in Oxford for him, especially after Chris Johnson picked Miami over Ole Miss. You got to hit on another running back before this cycle comes to a close. And Riscano looks like the most likely at this point, but there are some late suitors in that recruitment as well. Keep an eye on his whereabouts this weekend. And that could be a bit of an indicator in my opinion, just haven't seen anything laid out in concrete just yet. All right, and before we get out of here, have you heard any nuggets about Ole Miss that maybe I have I don't know anything about? I think they're still in position to make some flips. You know, I I don't want to name too many names at this point, uh, but there's some SEC prospects that are giving Ole Miss a hard look late in the cycle that I think will be important. Uh, and I think there's still a need at some different spots. I think the offensive line uh, could be advantageous. Uh, it was big that Bryson Sanders shut down his recruitment on Monday. I know Auburn with, with Jake Thornton having been hired was starting to press a little bit for a late visit. That will no longer happen. He is all in with Ole Miss and company. So I think that's the other thing to keep in mind, holding on to these commitments, a big deal. Uh, Perkins, Sanders, Marcel Reed's going to AM this weekend. That will be a big one to keep an eye on. Auburn, of course, just hosted him. So as much as we look at Ole Miss adding to the commitment list, holding on to some of these big-time commits is just as important, and it looks like they'll be able to do so. All right. Thank you very much, John. And anyway, thank you for everybody for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with the local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. It's Locked On Sports today. It's available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. John, thank you so much for stopping by. And I think think we're going to talk to you again this week, man. It sounds good. Yeah. Happy December. Happy signing day. All that fun stuff. Uh, Looking forward to it. Yeah. Week away, bud.